Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's coach and coordinator podcast from the archives is with Kansas State assistant head coach, defensive pass game coordinator, and cornerbacks coach, Van Malone. At the time, coach had just left SMU as that staff had moved on, and he talked to us about some of his beliefs on defense, as well as his approach to that time then in his career was when he was in transition. This is another great one that you'll enjoy. Please keep tuning in. New shows and news coming soon. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I'm joined today by former SMU defensive coordinator, Van Malone. Coach, it is great to have you here on the podcast. Great to be here, Keith. Coach, we're going we're gonna to get into some of the recent things that uh, you've dealt with um, before we go there and uh, some of the lessons you have to impart on some of those topics. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, you know, your, your, the way you've climbed through the ranks in this game. So you played in the NFL uh, for one team, the Detroit Lions, and from there, uh, you got into coaching. But tell us a little bit about that transition from being a guy who's in the NFL, you know, playing with the elite to starting out coaching at the high school level. Well, I, I think, you know, if you would have asked me this question 15 years ago, I probably would have given you a different answer than I'll give you today. 15 years ago, I'm a guy, like you said, coming out of the NFL. You know, I just thought this coaching thing, hey, man, what's the big deal? You know, it's tell them to do what I did. And uh, and I thought I knew it all as a coach. And uh, I thought that the guys who coached on the high school level, I thought they couldn't know more than I know, you know, because I've, I've done some great things. But the thing that I didn't realize or didn't recognize is that, yes, you have as a player – but now you're a coach, and it's a very different world. The time commitment, the commitment to make sure that your education or what you're trying to get those kids to do, because many of those kids don't have the ability that you had as a player. So as a coach, that was the biggest transition for me is to realize that I'm a teacher and that I, as a coach, couldn't rely on my athletic ability anymore, is that I had to teach them to do what I used to do, to do what I needed them to do. And then, like I said, just the humility of it all in terms of dealing with the coaches is something that I, it was a hard lesson, 
But as I look back at and and I see some of the coaches that I worked with in my first few years of coaching, I continually apologize to them for being a jerk, for thinking that I knew it all, thinking that they should do things my way and and that they had been not respecting the fact that they had been coaching for many years and had great success. Um, and so, you know, that is something that I push on to players who are now thinking and talking to me about the possibility of making the jump from being a player to a coach. And, uh, you know, in the academic circles, uh, they, they call that the expert blind spot, uh, meaning that uh, <laughs> as, as, uh, as somebody who's come from the game and played it at an elite level, you had a lot of those things that just became ingrained to you. And, and to you, you're right. saying, just do it like I do it and not being right. able to see the steps along the way that you have to, to work with. So obviously right. you started to learn those things along the way and, and uh, progress through your coaching career. Um, looking back on it, what do you think are some of the, the key lessons you've learned that really helped you move forward with your career as a coach? Well, I think one, one of the things that once I, once I removed that blind spot is is that you as a coach, you have to be committed to being the best you can be every day. I like to call it being elite. And what that means is, is there's always got to be a better way to do it. You know, if if your team, uh, and over the years we've done this, if your team has led the nation in turnovers, okay, wh- how can you improve upon that? What what drill can we improve? What what are some things that we can do better to always be looking to improve? People say in college coaching, you always be recruiting. Well, I say as a coach, you always got to be looking for improvement. And, you know, there are some great coaches out there. And so over the years, when I've had the opportunity to visit different coaches, it's not always about, you know, what scheme, because there's only 11 guys out there and you can, you can make you can do a lot of things with eleven people, but it's about getting each one of those young men and ladies today in the game to perform at their maximum mm-hmm. level to be able to teach them to be able to reach all of them and to be able to teach them as best you can so that's that's the one thing is they'll always be growing and then the second thing I've learned really toward the latter part of my career is how important having a relationship is with your players relationship with the players is something that of course early in my career like I said I had many ways that I was a a jerk but I didn't realize how important it is to to dig in and and establish strong relationships with your players not just for what they do today as a player but for many years down the line I am the recipient of that today because some of my, some guys who coach me in high school, we are, we have great friend relationships. Now that relationship has continued to grow from my experience as a player for these people, for my experience as they're my, they're fans of what I do. And so now I'm in the coaching ranks alongside them. And so that relationship has continued to grow. And because they established a relationship with me as a player many years ago. So that's something, those are two things that I learned amongst many other, but those are two things that have really uh, grown 
in me as a coach, and I and I consider them important to pass on to young coaches. I always be growing, and then make sure that you understand the importance of establishing strong relationships with your players. Because if they know that you care, and you see this all the time, but if they know that you care, that's what's important. It's not not what you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the fact that you some you're some big time NFL player or you're some big time coach. But do you care about me? And uh, I think when you can establish that, you go a long way as a coach. Coach, as you uh, progress through your career being an assistant, you made your way up to the uh, being the defensive coordinator uh, at SMU. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things you guys were doing on defense. Um, obviously, you guys had a lot of success there. Tell us a little bit about the defense that you installed at SMU. Well, Throughout my career, I've been a a four-down, a four-three defensive guy. That's what I played under, and that's kind of what I what I knew. And and so, uh, as we went into SMU, now when we walked through the doors, those guys were a three-down defensive structure. And so, you know, honestly, again, I, I go I always say this, and I learned this: there's only eleven of them. You can stack them up, you can put them however you want to put them, and as long as the way you got them situated matches their talent level you'll be okay but anyway the 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 four down structure was one that i was most familiar with that the guys on my defensive staff was was most familiar with and so that's how we started and as we continued to grow we 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 started to jump into more three down structures and you know i just i just point that out because that is the direction, in my opinion, that defenses are going to be able to deal with the spread offensive attacks. Now, in in the, on the back end, which is kind of where I where I live mostly, mm-hmm. in the secondary, we were a quarters based structure, and and over the years, from um, from Tulsa to Oklahoma State, and even uh, as far back as when I was at A and M. We were aggressive outside on the corners, and we played a lot of press man, and that's something that I that I really um, have a passion for is coaching that and the technique along with uh, that goes along with playing press man. So that that is something that we brought over from Oklahoma State, and and I believe that along with you know the the three down structure, being aggressive on the outside is. Is, is going to be the, the direction that defenses will continue to grow. And obviously, Coach, when we look at how defenses are going to continue to progress, we're looking at what offenses are trying to do against them. And obviously, RPO has been uh, right. the main way that uh, really everybody, I don't care if you're a high school wing T team or a, a pro-style team, everybody's looking at how do I implement these into my offense to the point of some teams saying, this is our offense. So um, from your structure, what you do, because a lot of guys say, oh, we, we're just going to have to play man. How do you take away the RPO within your structure? Well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. Uh, that's that's going to be the phrase that I use because, you know, RPO, run, pass, option. Right. So so the offense in, in this structure, in this system, the offense has incredible power because what they're going to do, is they're going to walk out and they're going to say, all right, 
the edge player, the strong safety, the Sam linebacker, he's in the box. Okay, we're going to throw it out there right now. You know, okay, this guy's playing a pass. Okay, we're going to we're going to run the football. Okay, your Mike linebacker, we've displaced him with trips. Okay, we're going to run the ball. All right, the Mike is you got trips, but the Mike is not paying attention to number 3. All right, we're going to fake to draw the mic into the run, and we're going to throw it to the number three. So those are the things that we as defensive coaches, those are the options that we deal with. And they, they got a lot more than that, but those are the options that we deal with play after play. So for us defensively, as we talk about growing, it's going to have to be a, a way where we continue to try to put more pressure on the offense to be able to force this read quicker, to be able to disguise the the Sam linebacker that we talked about earlier. Okay, this guy's showing in the box, but now he knows that he has to get out into the flat. You know, um, you said it earlier, doing those things puts – there's got to be pressure on somebody. And because I'm a secondary guy, I always – I'd rather put the pressure on the guys that I coach. Right, because I, I'm going to be responsible, and that's kind of what we did at SMU is is we'll put the pressure on the corners, put the pressure on the safeties, and and force force the offense to make throws. I'm in man to man, but I'm going to tighten my coverage, and it's a one on one play. That's where the offense, if they have superior talent, that's where the offense has has an advantage. Now, of course, all the kids today they want to play offense. You know, we had a guy at uh, at SMU, Cortland Sutton, which Cortland could play any position that he wants to. But back in the day, Cortland was a defensive end, right? He was an outside linebacker. Now that guy's a receiver, you know. And and the cornerbacks are guys who didn't play football. They're they're golf guys, you know. They're they're little small guys now, and they got to cover and tackle Cortland Sutton, who should be playing linebacker, defensive end, you know. But, like I said, in my opinion, as it continues to grow, they'll just be put more pressure on the guys in the secondary as you try to do things from a defensive place to be more aggressive, to force this read more quickly between the quarterback and, and the receivers in that, in that game. That's definitely a way to do it, coaches, to, uh, to speed that up for them. Uh, to to not make them feel like they have some time to really make those decisions, and I would agree. Right. The the right. better you can make your back end to to cover that up, uh, the the more you can do up front and take away some of the things that you know modern offenses try to do. Well, coach, uh, as we take a look at you know the progression through your career, uh, this past year you were named uh, the AFCA FBS Assistant Coach of the Year as uh, SMU's defensive coordinator. And uh, honored for that in January, but I guess what what uh, wouldn't be expected is that January you also found yourself, you know, looking for your next opportunity. And uh, you know, some some of the guys out there probably have read about this on Football Scoop. And I think you have some great advice and a great outlook and approach to the situation where, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm not disguising anything. I was fired. So talk to us a little bit about how you've handled that and uh, the advice you have to coaches who find themselves in a similar situation? Well, I always, like you said, I, I, 
I always use the term fire. Whenever there's transition, you can dress it up however you want. I just like to use the term fire because that, there's a sense of urgency within that, you know, for me personally. And so I think that when, when you, as a coach, it's not like many, it's not like a lot of occupations out there, a lot of career paths out there. Guys get fired and they and they get promoted and they get, you know, if, if a head coach takes a job and, and doesn't take the staff, they get left. All those things happen in in this business. And and they don't happen as 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 much as they would happen in, in other businesses. Teachers, I mean they kinda they, they teach and as long as they don't jack something up, they could they could retire as teachers at the same at the same school, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our business there's there's always transition. So I always try to have guys that I've advised over the years. Now I'm talking to myself, but I try to make sure that, that we understand Listen, on third and seven, they got the first down. They caught the ball. They made the first down. So there's no reason there's no reason to, to scrap the defense. There's no reason to, to take all your players off the field and quit the game because they got a first down on offense. It's third and six. Your running back gets the ball. He gets stuffed in the hole. You lose two yards. Okay, you punt, right? So this moment is just like a down in a game. There'll there'll be another down. There'll mm-hmm. there'll be another play, and so you can't. I mean, if you get fired, you're not a bad coach. Right. You know, you're not a bad coach. Is what I try to tell guys. You're not a bad coach. This is just a bad play. This is a bad series. We gotta punt it, or we gotta we gotta regroup and move on to the next play. Cause the, you know, the next play is coming. The next opportunity is coming. So you have to make sure that you get yourself ready for that. I had a young man that I talked to and he, he told me, Hey coach, I got, I got fired. And I said, okay, well, okay. Not the end of the world. You know, we, we got to look forward. Let's figure out what's, what's next. Right. And I said, have you told anyone? He said, no. <laughs> I, said, mm-hmm. I said, well, that's wrong. That, that's wrong. That's a mistake. You got to let people know if, if something has happened, you know, otherwise, Everybody just, you know, they don't change the directory every single day. There's no bulletin that goes up in the sky that lets everyone know what's going on with you. So you have to make sure that you let the guys in your network know what's going on. And then and then the next thing is, and I had to tell him this, but I had to tell myself this as well, is that these things happen and you can't take things personally. You can't... I, for uh, a coach who decides to make a change or for a coach who decides to to go to another university and or another school and not take the whole staff hey that's his choice and he makes that choice well you got you don't have uh you don't have opinions in that choice right so what you got to do is you got to move to the next one but i always i always I won't say always, but here recently uh, I've I've connected it and and talked to guys about this, and I say in this way: if you want to be blessed, if you want to receive the blessings that are due to you in your life, you have to forgive. You can't hold a grudge. You can't be upset about the way that thing happened because you got to move on. It's it's like in a game; the last play is over. 
Who who dropped the ball? Who cares? Let's go get him ready for the next play because you got to move on to the next play. And you, if if you carry bitterness and anger and you're holding grudges and you're pissed, hey man, that's not helping you. That's not helping the situation. And it's like it's like you if you took poison and you expected the other person to die right? It's not going to happen. If you walk around like that, then it's going to hurt you, right? So the best thing is move on and let's, let's get ready for the next play. Coach, as you, uh, you know, we're getting into the spring part of the off season. Uh, What is the next play for you? What do you see happening for you uh, in your career uh, moving forward? Well, I don't, I got, I have some things which are out there working it's like I'm a quarterback and I've thrown a deep pass on, on a few <laughs> opportunities. And, you know, we, when you throw a deep pass, you got your fingers crossed. You, you, you kind of don't know, but, but I've, I've, um, I've learned that, you know, and I, and I, it, in our world, you know, because we push the button on the microwave and in about 45, 50 seconds, hot food comes out. Uh, we push the button on our cars no more keys. You push the button, boom, the car starts. So, so we know how things work. We, we control a lot of things just by a push of a button. Well, on this one, I really don't know. You know, I really don't know. So, so I've, I've prayed a lot about, you know, the decisions that I need to make moving forward. And I have a variance of options. And so, so some I would really love to do. And some uh, don't really know if I really want to do, but be a good opportunity. So I, I really, I really don't know. But but I'll say this as an encouragement to someone else who may be in that, in this position is that I'm going to pray on it and uh, allow God to show me as he's as he's done in many places in my life. It's just not publicized much, you know. I'm going to allow God to show me you know, what the next step should be, because I know what I want to do. I know what I think will be cool and fun and what I think, you know, would be popular, but maybe that's not the thing that, that I should do. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really had thoughts like this before, but I think it's time, you know, at some point in your life where you, you have to begin to pray about things before you leap. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Coach, uh, I, I really appreciate your outlook on things. Uh, you obviously have done some great things throughout your career, and I'm sure uh, you're going to find the opportunity that's right for you moving forward. Uh, for our listeners out there, uh, how can they connect with you on uh, Twitter? Uh, okay, so I, I believe my my Twitter is, is Coach Van Malone. It's probably pretty easy to find me on there. Or, uh, or my phone number is 405. 405- Eight eight zero 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 one three. Coach, I really appreciate your time, uh, your time, and joining us in the podcast. And uh, best of luck to you as you move forward, and you're looking for that uh, that next play, like you said. Thanks a lot, Keith. It was great to talk to you. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski for more news and updates on the podcast that are coming soon. If you are enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes and click five star for rate. 
If you have a minute, please write a review. It really helps the podcast.